Amen. Church, do me one more favor. Turn to two different people maybe now and tell them, just say it's time to jump in. Just tell two people, it's time to jump in. What does this even mean, Pat? What do you mean jump in? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to, so that's what a buddy of mine literally said to me. Uh, when I was a kid, we'd go to a lake once in a while, and at this lake that we went to, there was a place where you could actually climb on top of this hill, and you could jump in. Now, it was, it was like, as a kid, it was freaky. Like, it was like cliff diving to me. But, I mean, it, now I look back, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. But then, I, I, as a kid that couldn't swim that well, I, I, I wasn't a good swimmer. I was a good sinker. That's what I did. So, but, but my friend got me on top of this ledge, and he said, you're doing it. I said, all right, let's do this. I said, let's, we're going to jump in. And we're at the edge, and just like this, and he's there, and I'm there. He's like, all right, I'm going to count to three. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I might do it. But anyway, so he's like, he's like, one. And I was like, yeah, yes, I'm ready. He said, two. I said, yeah, bring it. Let's go. And he said, three. And I said, yeah. And I go like this. He jumps. I was like, see ya. I was like, I just, I just stayed on the ledge. And all I could hear as he went down, down, down in the water was like, you suck. And I was like, but I'm safe, you know? So it, I, didn't do, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I never did. I climbed back down that little hill, went back down to the bank, and he was okay. He made it. And here's the thing about that little story and about me and him. I missed out. I'm the one that missed out. You know why I missed out? I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the faith to think it was going to be okay. I had fear. What if, you know, I'm thinking all kinds of things. What if the water's only a foot deep? What if there's rocks underneath? What if Jaws is down there? I'm thinking a lot of crazy things as a kid. And I had all these preconceived notions and fears that I never did it. Why do I say that? As we finish a series called Faith Beyond Doubt, I gotta be straight with you. The reason that many people will not live their purpose is because they won't jump. They will not take a step of faith. You, you will not live your purpose. I will not live my purpose unless we take jumps, unless we jump by faith. The Bible says without faith, it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So unless we're, unless we're jumping off that cliff once in a while into something that we don't, we're not sure of, that's why faith is involved, you'll never live your purpose. And there are people playing it safe, and there are people not, not taking chances. And I'm not talking about stupid risks. I'm talking about prayerful carefully considered God-ordained faith risks that we'll take. Everybody that we've looked at in this series, every one of them, they weren't the smartest. They weren't the strongest. They didn't memorize a lot of Bible scripture. But yet, they're recorded in the word of God as being these faith giants. In fact, there's a, there's a chapter in Hebrews 11 where it lists all its... It, Church circles call it the hall of faith. And it lists all these people of faith in the Bible. Not, it's not an all-inclusive list, but it's a lot of them. And God recognizes them for their faith. And I mean, these guys, everybody that we've looked at, Abraham, Moses, who else have we looked at? Um, Gideon, uh, Sarah, they're all listed here. So here's what I'm going to do. I, as we close the series, I'm going to read the hall of faith to you. And you're going to hear all the names that are in it. It's going to go quick, but you're going to help me. Okay? So every one of these verses, these scriptures, starting with Hebrews 11:4, every one of them starts with, it was by faith. Okay? So when I say, you're going to say faith with me. Okay, let's practice. Okay, make sure we're tracking. So I'm going to say, it was by faith. Yes. 
You're going to say that quite a few times in a row. I'm just going just to kind of preempt you up front. Let's run through this list. Let's see who made it. Who made it from the Word of God in the Word of God in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith? Here we go. Verse 4. It was by that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than his brother Cain. It was by that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. That's crazy. It was by that Noah built a big boat. It had never rained before ever. That takes faith. He built a big boat to save his family from the flood. It was by that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to a place he didn't know where he was going. It was by that Sarah was able to have a child, 90 years old, though she was barren and too old. It was by that Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. That's nuts. It was by Yes, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. It was by, yes, you're getting it, that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel, they would leave Egypt, they would leave slavery. We read about that. It was by that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born to keep him safe from what was going on. It was by that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called Pharaoh's, or refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And it was by that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost. Remember that story? It was by that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea. Remember that one, the parting of the Red Sea. They go right through the Red Sea as though, they were, as though it was dry ground. It was by that people of Israel marched around Jericho. Remember the first city they took? They marched around the city of Jericho for seven days. And then the walls, the miracle, the walls came crashing down. It was by, yes it was, that Rahab, a prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. How much more do I need to say, Scripture says? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice, and they received what God has promised them. I'm telling you, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you have it, And when you walk in it, I'm telling you, all things are possible. This is what you need to know. That's why it's so important. Today, God is going to tell somebody, jump. You're going to jump in. And you're not just going to jump in blindly. That's not what what our faith is. It's not blind faith, far from it. You're jumping in faith first. Not head first, not feet first, faith first. That's what we're doing. As I read through the Hall of Faith, you guys, as I prepared to deliver a word to you and to me, I thought to myself, the very first person listed, you remember who it was? You probably don't because we read a lot there. In verse 4, it was a guy named Abel. He's the first guy listed in the hall of faith. Abel is like the second human ever born out of a birthing canal, right? First was Cain. These are the sons of Adam and Eve. Cain is the firstborn. Abel is the second. Why is Abel in the hall of faith? 
It's weird because, I'll read it again in case you missed it the first time. It was by, you get it, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. It's interesting because when you read about the offerings that they bring, it doesn't just pop out to you, oh, no wonder Abel made it and Cain didn't. You got to really kind of study and know. You got to kind of know some principles about who God is. I'll, I'll read you the scripture and we'll put it up. It's in Genesis chapter 4. This is the offering that, that they're talking about that got Abel in the hall of faith. Here we go. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Right? He's, a, he's like a rancher. Cain, his brother, was a tiller of the ground. So he's more of a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. To the Lord. Okay, all right. Cain brought his offering. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he didn't respect Cain's. It's weird because you can think to yourself, why? I don't get it. They both, he brought, he brought some, he did crops, he brought some crops. He did, he did cattle, sheep, whatever. He brought some, he brought some uh, livestock. I don't get it. So what you need to understand about, about God is God is a faith-first God. God is a faith-first God. And I don't want you to miss this. That's why you got to jump in faith-first. Otherwise, it's easy. Otherwise, everybody would be living by faith. They're not. Everybody would be receiving the promises of God. They're not. Because they're not walking by faith-first. So, so God, God doesn't change. If you don't know that, hopefully you do now. He does, God doesn't change. And God, he's always had this, this, this principle of this faith first. He introduces it in a, a couple books later to the Israelites and Moses. So I'll read it to you out of Leviticus because it spells it out. This is, remember Moses, the Israelites are trying to get out of Egypt. You remember the story. So Leviticus 23.10. God says, give the following instructions to the people of Israel, Moses. When you enter the land I'm giving you, wait, that's a promise, and you harvest its first crops, bring, a pre, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting, say first. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The first cutting of the grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it, lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On the same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb with no defects. Say, it's, it's got to be the best. It's got to be first. It's got to be the best. No defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. So this principle in the word of God, I'm calling it faith first. God, they would, the Bible would designate it as uh, first fruits. Is what it was what it's called. It's the principle of first fruits, where they would bring their first fruits, their first and their best to God. God was teaching them. Now, why was he doing that? Well, number one, he wants them just to trust his word and obey. So obedience is part of it. Reverence is part of it. You bring an offering to God because we revere him. He's God, we're not. It reminds us of that. But also, it was building their trust in God. Like when they brought their first crops like the best, and they brought their first lamb, the one that looks real good, that first one. When they brought that, they had to trust God with their first and their best and trust that God would bless the rest. It was building their trust. This is so key that you catch this. 
Oh, and I wrote it down because I love giving you big words that I, I just learned myself. So the Hebrew word for first fruits is bikram. I don't know if I put it up there. Say bikram. Look, yeah, see, bikram. You know what it literally means? Promise to come. You know, I heard a church one time say, the best is yet to come. Oh, wait, that's this church. You know why we say it? Because it is. Bikram. This is a promise to come. So understand something. First fruits, when the Hebrew nation was hearing that, I mean, they're not just hearing, oh, my first fruit is an offering. My first fruit is a sacrifice. You know what they're hearing? The first fruit is a promise to come. Like, it's an investment. It was an investment to the Israelite people. They're investing in their future. When I bring it to God, God blesses it. That's what they understand. Bikram, promise to come. Okay, so let's go track with me. Let's go back to the story of Cain and Abel. Can you put, back, can you put Genesis 4 back up? Let's look at it again. Now look at the scripture. See how it reads differently. Remember when it said, here's Cain's offering. Don't miss the words. And in the process of time, it came to pass. Cain brought an offering to the Lord. You catch it? I'll keep reading. Abel, I, okay, I'll, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. So I heard a pastor say it this way. Cain brought an offering in the process of time. In other words, Cain brought what he wanted when he wanted. That's what one pastor said. I'll bring you what I want when I want. Cain, Abel brings the first fruit, or not the first fruits, but the firstborn. Right? No defects. He brings, he brings his best. Now do you see why God would say, uh, it, he, he didn't bring, I, I think about it this way, because the Gannons, we raised sheep growing up. I am the good shepherd. At least I was till so I was 10 years old, then we moved. But anyway, I was a good shepherd. I wasn't that good. I got stories, but I won't bore you. So, um, now I get confused. Where was I going with that? So, welcome to Meadows. So, uh, we, oh, the shepherd thing. So, Abel, Abel brings that, that, that firstborn sheep, the, the nice sheep. He didn't, he didn't pick the worst sheep. You know, the sheep they call lucky, the one in the back, three legs, no tail, wolves falling out, one eye. You know, he didn't bring that. He didn't give leftovers to God. Anybody got any leftovers from Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't think I'm going to eat again until probably December. I ate so much, but that's a whole nother topic. And then the Cowboys game, we're not going there. So anyway, so, ah, Ah, no. So, God doesn't want our leftovers. That's what he's saying. Cain, you brought what you wanted when you wanted. And I'm not taking it. I won't take it. Like, I'm a God of first fruits. I am a God of faith first. That's who he is. You don't change God. God's trying to help them trust and have faith. So, so leftovers. And left, can we admit, leftovers are never as good as the original I mean, when the turkey comes out of the oven, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, when, when it's all comes out first, and it's, that's when it's best, right? But leftovers, I mean, after about day seven, it's like, nah, thank you. You know? One time, Jody, this is a while back, but Jody brought home one of these, um, these bunt cakes. You ever had those nothing bunt cakes? They're really good. So they're, they're, it was a carrot one, and it's got like cream cheese frosting all over it. And she brought it home, and it's, a, it's not huge, but good for us to share as husband and wife, right? So I remember seeing it, I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'll have my portion, right, first, and then I'll, I'll leave her, her half. So I went in there and I ate my half and I left her, her half in the fridge. And she comes down, she's like, oh, is the carrot cake's still in there? I said, yeah, honey, I left you half. And she opens it up, she goes, what's this? 
I said, that's your half of the bun cake. She said, you ate all the good stuff. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, the cream cheese. There's no cream cheese. I'm like Jody. Technically, I did you a favor. I took all the calories on myself. You know, but she, she didn't, she did not see it that way. She wanted to do me a favor. So I'm pretty sure I slept on the couch that night. But anyway, doesn't matter. So, but what I left her was leftovers. What I left her is, I, I, it wasn't quite fair, was it? it? It was half, but it wasn't the best half. It wasn't that first half. This is the principle all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. I'll give you a few more Scriptures just so you can really digest it. When you trust God with your first and your best, he blesses the rest. And you don't have to believe me, but I hope you believe God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The best part, with the best part, says it right in Proverbs, with the best part of everything you produce, then, okay, so if this, then that. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. See, God wants to bless you. I hope you know that. He wants to bless you. And I'm not talking prosperity. This, this is, we, we always go to money when it's blessings because we're so set on that for some reason. But God's, he, he's so much higher than, his ways are so much higher than ours. So God wants to bless you. Why aren't people stepping into God's blessings? Because they're not trusting him first. I'll give you more scripture, Matthew 6, The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. This, this translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, put God first. It, we can easily overlook that. Oh, yeah, God's first. That's yeah, easy to say. Does, your, does our life reflect it? And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This principle is all throughout the word of God. It, it, it's so evident when you look for it. And now it's confession time. Oh, I hate this part, but I got to be honest. I'm your pastor, so let's lead by example, Monty. Okay. When I first got called into full-time ministry, it was in 2012. I went from the secular business world to working for a church. And I was, I was brought on to oversee a kid's ministry that, uh, that we were launching a, a church across town, a campus across town, and I was going to oversee the kid's ministry. Now, at this, at this time, I trusted God with my salvation, right? And I'm working for the church. I'm getting paid by the church. And, and, I, and I'm not tithing. So a tithe, if you don't, never heard the word, I never heard it before I went to the church I got saved at. A tithe is returning 10% back to God, okay? 10% of the increase, it's throughout God's word, you return it to God. So here I am working for the church, um, collecting a paycheck from the church, and I'm like, and I'm not tithing. So I go to this a trusted friend of mine who actually worked with me, and I said, listen, I, I gotta tell you, so I, this is an area I'm struggling with, and, and it's not because I don't want to do it. Here's what I believe about Christians here's what I believe about, this be, this be, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in the room or you're watching online, here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe most people want to give. I do. When I tell you about fostering a kid and buying Christmas presents, I bet most of you want to do that. Some of you might not because ah, I can't afford it or whatever, but most of you want to. Like, it's in you. There's no way it can't because if the Holy Spirit's living in you, you have that in you. Guaranteed, guaranteed. So I wanted to give 10%. Like I did. I didn't. There was no way I could do it. No way. This is how most people would feel when it comes to tithing. Ain't no way. And I said the same thing. I don't care if I work for a church or not. Ain't no way. But here's the problem. I knew that the church knew how much money I was making. So eventually, they're going to come. Hey, Monty, I see that. Okay, yeah, busted. So I had, to, I, was, I, I had to make some changes. So I told my friend, I said, 
we, we struggle. We go paycheck to paycheck, maybe like many of you, and I was. And um, Jody and I had not taken Financial Peace University yet, so I did not have that knowledge under my belt. But I knew that I had to do something different. And, here's, and he said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I give back when I can. I, I mean, is that not normal? Like, if I have a little bit extra, I'll give? Like, it depends on the pay period, depends on the month, depends on bills and when the car payment is due and when the mortgage is. So I said, and he stopped me right there. He says, so you're giving God what's left. And I didn't, I didn't know about the principle of first, for, I didn't know any of this right now. So here's what I told, said to him. I said, yes, exactly. That's what I'm, correct. You nailed it. That's what I'm doing. Is that bad? And, and he said, that's the problem. And he wasn't even dead set on the amount. Here's what he told me. He said, what can you give? And I said, you're kind of putting me on the spot. I don't know. He goes, what can you give straight up right away? Like every pay period. And I said, I said, I don't know, five dollars? <laughs> I said, I said, no, I'd probably do five percent. He said, give five first. Give five first. And I said, here's the problem. Obedience is 10%. That's what God said in his word. So I'm still not being obedient. So what's the, what's the point? And he said, you're missing it. He said, God doesn't look at the amount. He looks at the heart. I, I couldn't believe it. He said, it's not about attitude. It's, it's about attitude, not the amount. And he said, just do what I'm telling you to do. You said you could do five. Do five first before you start paying all your other stuff. And watch what happens. You guys, look up here. I, I'm not, this is not, I'm not making this up. It took me all my life to get to that point. I wasn't given 5% when I told him 5%. So that was a stretch right there that I had to start doing. I kid you not, it took me years to get to 5%. It took months to go from five to 10, literally. And I can't even explain it. It is crazy. So, so I'll say it again. The value of the gift is not the amount. The value of the gift, it's about the heart. That's why I take the pressure off you. Maybe you've never given. It's okay. I sat in those seats and never gave most of my life. I'm glad you're here. Take in the word of God. Just do what God says. Not, I'll give you the word of God, but don't, do, don't be convicted because of me. I'll guarantee you that. I'll never do that. Because I was that person most of my life, even working for a church and still not being obedient. God, I hope my pastor's not watching this message right now because that would be bad. So anyway, so it's too late now. So, and then you know what scripture I thought of after he said that? I thought of that scripture. Are you familiar with this? That woman that was doing an offering and she gives like two pennies or two mites, they call it back then. Like the value of what she gave, they're, they're like one eighth of a penny. That's how low of an offering she gave at the temple one time. The, the scripture will take me literally 48 seconds to read to you. So bear with me. Mark 12, 41. Jesus has just preached in the temple. Now he sits down by the collection, uh, by the collection box in the temple and watches the crowds as they drop in their money. It's always interesting. That, I, that stops me in my tracks right there. Why is Jesus? Wouldn't that be weird? What if I just sat by the, the vases back there and just stared at you on the way out? You know, I mean, that's Jesus is like, Jesus is crazy. He didn't care. He sat right there watching. So do you know why Jesus is watching? It wasn't to see the money. It was to see their heart. That's what Jesus is looking for. Jesus always cares about the heart. And trust me, our money follows our heart. You know, I, don't have to, I don't have to talk you into that. So, I mean, Jesus cares about giving. If you think, well, Jesus don't care about giving. He's staring right at the collection plate. He's staring at the people giving. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came, and she drops in this trivial, minuscule, nothing, two less than pennies. 
And it got Jesus' attention. In fact, the scripture, what does it say? Jesus said, da 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 Jesus calls the disciples. It's like Jesus stops everything. Wait, wait. She drops in her little, little coins, and Jesus like, Peter, Bartholomew, James. There's three James. Get over here. Look, I mean, look at this. And Jesus is like, can you believe her? Those other guys, those other women, they're giving these big checks and these big gifts. And she shows up and drops in that? We can't do nothing with that. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus never speaks like that. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus calls him over. Why? It's a big deal. And Jesus says this. Did I already blow by it? Jesus calls him over. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others. Jesus, maybe you didn't do too well in algebra, but it doesn't seem like that's correct. Okay? They gave a tiny a part of their surplus. She, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. That woman, that widow, understands something. They would have a very limited means of even making money. And Jesus, what does he recognize in her? He recognizes to all of the chosen, the 12 disciples, he recognizes, look at her. Look at her faith. You guys, she's putting faith first. Even more so, she gave everything. Jesus is blown away by her, her generous and sacrificial giving. She's given more than all the others. Why? How do you say that, Jesus? Because it was not about the amount. It was about the heart. I'll, I'll say it again. Attitude is always more important than the amount. It is. Why does God say, I love a cheerful giver? Because he loves a cheerful giver. That's what he loves. That, I guarantee the widow, based on Jesus' response to the widow, she didn't give because she was moved by the message. She didn't give because she was coursed. She didn't give because she was guilted. She gave because she wanted to. She gave out of love. I'll show you that. It's so crazy. She gave all she had. It was, it was about the condition of the heart. Now do you see Cain? Now do you see Cain? Look, Remember Cain? In the process of time, as it came to pass, Cain's like, yeah, you read the story of Cain and Abel, you'll see Cain's heart towards God. Cain kills his brother. And, and, and then he, he, he's getting after God, talking smack back with God about it. You read the story. Cain, God didn't have Cain's heart. That's why, that's why Cain gave the offering the way he gave it and when he gave it. Does that make sense? It wasn't faith first for Cain. It was for the widow. Oh, by the way, the heart thing, it's all over scripture. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Man looks at outward appearance. God looks at the? We do. We look at outward appearance. Oh, they must live that way. Oh, they, I bet you they do that. Oh, I bet you they're all about that. And we look at outward appearance. God looks at the heart. They honor me with their lips, Jesus said in Matthew. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Let me give you some context to the, the widow giving the two mites, the, the, the pennies. You know the context of the story? It's nuts. The context of the story is they're in the temple setting. Remember, Jesus sat down in the temple next to the collection box. He's watching what they're doing. Right before that, he's preaching a message. Do you know the context of what he's preaching? He's preaching to, he's calling out religious people. It's what he's doing. If you're new to Meadows Church, look up here. We're not a religious organization. Okay, don't ever confuse us with that because if you do, that, that, that's not right. We are, we are an organism, living organism, the bride of Christ, based on a relationship with Jesus Christ at the center. That's who we are. 
And that's who we always will be. Jesus had a problem with religion. He, so what Jesus said right before he sat down at the collection plate, here's what he said. And, and the religious people are in the room, but he didn't care. He wasn't there to make friends. He was there to get followers. He was there to get people committed to the cause of him and eternity. And Jesus said, don't be like them. Uh, he points them right out. Don't be like them. Pharisees, Sadducees, look at them. Dressed to the nine, sitting at the, sitting at the expense of the, the head table with the important people. They're the ones praying the long, eloquent prayers, you know. By the way, why are Christians, I, I, I gotta say it again, some Christians are just so weird. I don't know how else to say it, but the prayer thing, as I, as I reflected back to the story about my, my tithing and my friend at the church, I thought about the prayer thing. And we had a time where all the, the, we were gathered together in smaller groups and praying in a church setting. Okay, so we're in this setting and we're going to pray. And the guy praying the prayer, the, this Christian praying the prayer, he was going to let us know in the long, eloquent prayer that he knew a lot of names of God. That was the goal. I mean, I, I was barely even knowing Jesus. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, we're praying. And he's like, oh, oh, Heavenly Father, Abba, Yahweh. And I'm like, I got one eye open. I'm like, what? And he's, Jehovah. You are Jehovah Jireh. And I was like, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are Jehovah Rapha. And I'm thinking, you are Jehovah Weirda. I mean, what are you doing? Pick a name and let's go. I just was like, I don't get it. It's like, what is the deal? So Christians can get a little weird with their prayers. The Pharisees did. The Sadducees did. Long prayers in public. Look at me. Look at me. They were the ones dropping in huge amounts of money, by the way, too. Here's the problem. Their heart wasn't in it. It never was. You know why they were doing it? That was what they were supposed to do. It's what the Word of God said. And I do what the Word of God says. That's the rules. Well, can I, can I break it to you? Jesus doesn't care about rules. He cares about a relationship. He cares about the heart. I'd rather have somebody giving two pennies with a good heart than, than $200,000 with a heart that's like, I don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to. Keep it. Keep it. That's what God says. That's what Jesus said. The woman gave the most. You know what religion, by the way, here's religion. Religion says, how can I do the least? How can I give the least, but still make it all about me? You know what Jesus says? How can I do the most? How can I give the most and make it all about the Father? That's what Jesus says. How can I make it all about God? That's, that's what I want to do. And I don't get it right, you guys, all the time. I shared a story about how I don't get it right. So I'm with you in this. It, so... This year-end faith offering that we have next week, we've never done it before, by the way. The offering is, um, it, it's you giving a free will offering. It's, it's up to you and God. And, and the reason I'm so excited about it, number one, it's challenging the heck out of me as I pray to God about amounts. and what, It's just showing me the selfishness of my heart, to be honest with you, is what it's doing for me. My gosh, God's working on me. So I wrote it down. Whenever we decide to make a faith-first offering, you could call it that, faith-first offering, the important thing is that we do it freely. No guilt, no obligation, nothing. Nothing. I won't be back by the collection plan. I won't be there. I don't want none of that. It's supposed to be a celebration. That's what next week is. It's a celebration of what God has done in your life. That widow, I guarantee that she had a relationship with Jesus. She knew what Jesus was doing in her life. I can't wait to hear more of the story when I get to heaven someday. But the, the offering, it is an expression of love. It is an expression of, God, what have, what have you done in my life? Give according to what God has done in your life. 
And when I, when I challenge myself with that, it's like, God's done a lot of great things in my life. And God's like, that's right. So it is, it is a challenge. But so many people feel like they have to give. No, 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 I don't want that. I want you to get to a point where you want to give. That's the goal. I believe today God wants to take you to a new level of faith a new level of purpose, a new level of giving. I think today God wants you to jump in faith first. That's what I believe. And it isn't about the amount. It may not even be about money with you. I don't know what God's gonna tell you to do. I don't know. The good thing is I don't need to know. God does, you do. That's, so having faith first, man, this is a good main point. Having faith first isn't about obligation. It is about transformation. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that you should never feel obligated. Oh, I got to do this. I have to do this. If you have that hurt, don't do it. Do you know how God started to get me? You know I even had the conversation with that pastor friend of mine when I wasn't, I wasn't even giving 5%. Do you know what compelled me to do it? It wasn't that the church was going to bust me. It was because God was doing something in my heart. I was feeling the pressure of needing to know I need to do this. I was learning about the principle of faith first. I was learning about the stories of the woman and the widow. I was learning these. And God's working on me. I'm like, I know I need to do this. But I don't know how. I can't afford it. And that's what most, I can't do it. I I honestly want to do it, but I can't. Do you know how many people are in that camp? Most everybody. I guarantee you, most everybody is. And people don't know how to jump in faith first. God, I thank you. I thank God for my friend that said, don't worry about the 10. You're so focused on the 10. Do the five or do the two or do the one or do the five bucks. I don't care. It doesn't doesn't matter. Just do it first before you do everything else because you got to stop giving God the leftovers. That's not the God that you serve. You serve a God of faith first. This is what God is. He is nothing but that. When you have been transformed by the power of God, understand something. Your giving will follow. Your serving will follow. Your worship will follow. It did for me. Oh, it took a while. Money was the last thing that would follow for me because I'm, that's just my heart. And sometimes, I've even said this before. Sometimes I'll say something like, well, God, God, needs, God needs something from you. God needs our worship today, church. God needs our, God needs our serving. God needs our, our, our time, our money. God don't need nothing from us. I'm so wrong when I say stuff like that. God don't need our worship. God doesn't need our time. God's always been and he always will be. He don't need our time. Worship? Bible says if we're silent, the rocks and the trees will cry out. That's what the Bible says. He don't need our worship. Money? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not too concerned about getting our money from us. Why do we say those things? We don't say those things because God wants or needs anything. We say them because God wants you. God wants your heart. God wants your trust. God wants your faith. This is what God wants. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. It's a heart issue. And I wrote it down. Say hands. Always follow the heart. They always do. Where your heart, I mean, what do you mean hands follow the heart? Faith first is always action. Standing on a cliff, jumping into the water, there's no faith in that. Faith is jumping. Faith isn't talking about it. Faith isn't counting to three. One, two, three. That's not faith. Faith is doing. 
Do you know what's crazy about Abel? Do you know what Abel says in the Word of God? Nothing. He didn't say one word. Not one word. He doesn't speak anything. And yet he's the first person in the Hall of Faith. I'm telling you, faith isn't a declaration, it's a demonstration. God proves it, God shows it. He shows it through his love and through his offering. What is Christmas? Christmas isn't God just declaring his love from heaven down to us. It's God showing his love through action, through his son, Jesus. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. I wrote a gift. Well, you could, you could say it's serving, it's giving, whatever you want to put it. A gift is an expression of love. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When God has my time, or when God has my heart, other things will follow eventually. It might take time. I love it, you guys. About a month ago, there was a woman serving in the, kid, in the nursery, or in one of the kids' areas. And I, I knew it was her first time serving. And I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, thank you for serving in, on, on our dream team, on our kids' dream team, our most important ministry. And here's what she said, it blew me away. She said, it's been a long time coming. Now, why would she say that? What she's saying there, she, she's like, I know I need to be here. I should have been here a year ago. Why? Because God's work, God has her heart. And eventually it's going to follow. I love it. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. For God so loved the world, he... Love loves to give. I love saying that. Love loves to give. To give. God is love. And as believers, look up here. If you're a believer, like if you're a follower of Jesus, shouldn't we, you and I, shouldn't we be the most giving people on the planet? Shouldn't we? Why? Because we have been given the greatest gift in the world. His name is Jesus, and he came for you, and he came for me, and you, and you, and you. He came for us. I want to give like that. I want to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. Not a declaration, but a demonstration. In the form of his son, who he sent through a story of Christmas to live in a broken world that's still broken today. But just because the world is broken today doesn't mean that you have to be. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. And what God wants you to know, and I guarantee you he wants you to know this, is that the greatest expression of love, the greatest gift this Jesus has been given to you. But how crazy would it be to get a gift and not receive it? Uh, wouldn't you be frustrated if you bought a foster child all these gifts and they got brought to them and they're like, I don't want them. You'd be like, oh, come on, please. God, take it. We open it. I know you'll love it. It was on your list. You'll love it. No, I don't care. Please, I want to see the look on your face when you open it. I know you'll love it. I know you're mad right now, but please tell me you'll open it. Begging. Because you want to see the look on their face. You want to see the joy in their heart. The Father today looks down at us. Please accept this gift of free grace. How many times do we need to remind ourselves, good people don't go to heaven? Why is the series called Christmas is, about the, is for the naughty and the nice? Because at the end of the day, we all got some naughty. 
We've all been there, and some of us, we still there. And you know it, and I know it, and Jesus came for you anyway. Look at the hall of faith. Can I remind you who's in the hall of faith? I won't go through the list again, but I'll tell you what they were, according to the world. Let's see, who do we got in the hall of faith? Um, find it. Oh, hookers, liars, thieves, drunks. Oh, and the guy that's mentioned the most times, Moses, well, he killed people. Do, are the people that are listed in the hall of faith, are they in heaven right now? You can shake your head, yes, they are. I guarantee you don't make the hall of faith and miss out on heaven because faith is how you get there. You're saved by your faith and God's grace. When they collide, what do you mean, pastor, faith? I mean, when you have faith to get to the cliff and say, you know what? I believe that, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I'm jumping. I believe that he was dead on a cross. I'm jumping. I believe that when I call on his name and I ask him to come into me and forgive me my sickness and, and the things that I think and the things that I do and the things that I'm going to do, that he'll come into me and he'll make me new. Not perfect, but new. And I believe that he, he didn't just stay dead on the cross, but I believe in the greatest miracle in the world. That three days later, Jesus Christ broke forth from the tomb, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the devil. Today, Jesus lives. He lives. And because of that, we get to celebrate for the naughty and the nice. Because heaven isn't about good or bad. Heaven is about saved and unsaved. Saved is covered by the grace of God. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Ask him to come into you and make you new. I mean, do it. Do it now. Indicate it on the card. Turn the cards in so we know when we can celebrate. Online, type, I choose Jesus in the comments. I choose Christmas. Either one works, I don't care. We'll connect with you. The only way you'll go to heaven is through Jesus. There is no other way. He's it, the Son of God. Jump, I believe. Jump, I receive. Jump, make me new. I'm gonna do something in closing. We're gonna pray together. This is gonna be a little different. If you got notes, you'll see that there's still some blanks. I'll give them to you now. The prayer, I'm calling it your faith first prayer. My faith first, for my faith first prayer. There's three postures that I'm gonna have you do. And y'all, I'll have you shut your eyes when we do it, so I don't want you to feel weird about it, and you're not gonna be doing anything too weird, but kind of weird. Anyway, so the first posture you're gonna do is, and don't do it now, but we'll do it in a second. The first posture is hands up. And hands up, this posture is surrender. Say surrender. This is you just surrendering to God today. Whatever, whatever's got you down, whatever's got you downtrodden or disillusioned, or depressed or scared just surrender it up to God just give it to God you're, I mean, I'm gonna pray and you're gonna repeat the words after me that's all you gotta do is just repeat the words I'll do the work and you just you just repeat and after we do the hands up surrender we'll put our hands like this and this is a symbol of generosity this is a symbol of giving and this isn't just money we th at the moment we say giving we think all oh, money no that is a big, Jesus did talk about money more than anything else because of our heart, but it's just a posture of giving, a handout, a generous hand. And the last posture that we'll do together in this faith first prayer, 
By the way, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to type this out and we're going to put it online too. You need to just have this in your hands. Pray it every day. Uh, hands will be forward like you're shaking somebody's hand. The hands will be forward. It's mission. We're on mission together. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose and we'll do anything short of sin to do it. We're going on mission. We're going into battle and our king's already won. We don't fight for victory. We fight from it. That's who our God is. So, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, if you're able. If you're, that's maybe a better way to say it. And if you're not, sit. The prayer is just as powerful, whether you're sitting or standing. But if you're able, stand up. And you can just shut your eyes and put your hand or your hands in the, in the up position, that surrender position. Let's even, let's dim the lights if we can. Just make it a little darker in here. Just want this to be between you and God. Just repeat after me with your hands surrendered to God and think about what you got on your heart. Think about what you got on your soul. Think about what you got on your mind. Know that you have a father listening right now who is in love with you and he wants to take it from you. Repeat after me. I choose to hold up my hands as a symbol of surrender. My life is not about me. I surrender to your Lordship. I surrender my preferences, my prejudices, and my position to you. I surrender my fears, my finances, my friends, and my family to you. Okay, now put your hand out. Remember with your palms up. This is a posture, hands out, generosity. Repeat after me. I choose to hold out my hands as a symbol of generosity. What I have is not mine. I am only a steward of all that you have given me. I want to mirror the way that you opened your hands to us and lavished your love and life upon us. I want to live an open-handed life in a closed fist culture. One more church, hands out, just like you're shaking a hand. I want you to think about you're going into battle. Your hands, are, your hands are positioned forward. They're not empty. They are full of weapons. They are full of the armor of God. And you are on a mission from God today. Your life is way bigger than what you might think it is. Hands forward, on mission. Repeat after me. I choose to hold my hands forward as a symbol of mission. I want to live for something greater than me. I want to embrace your kingdom mission. I want to embrace and welcome your mission to the lost, to the last, to the least, to the lonely, to the poor, the powerless, the privileged, and the persecuted. And I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now put your hands together and give God some praise for the next 10 seconds. He hears your prayers. He answers your prayers. He loves you today. He loves you tomorrow. He loves you forever.
Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, help us take whatever step by the power of your Holy Spirit today. There are people, they're going to fill out cards saying, I surrender to you. They're going to fill out cards with prayer requests. There are people that are going to, they're going to foster or, or they're going to adopt a foster child and bless them with gifts for Christmas. There are people, God, that they're, they're going to go buy tickets to a movie, but it's not just a movie. It's an outreach. It, we're on mission. Hands stretched out, reaching people in your name. God, meet people where they're at today. Give them the courage to take the step that you want them to take today. We will give you all the glory, God. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. God, with him, we're given everything we ever need. We love you. And we declare the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.